Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keuchel Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner... White Sox fans, welcome into the Sox on Tap post-game show. It's Johnny Nani here alongside Tony Marchese. Discussing a little trade deadline talk, uh, a little bit of White Sox winner talk as well. Tony, how are you doing this evening, my man? Johnny, I've I've been doing great all day. This is this is an awesome night to talk White Sox baseball. Uh, kudos to anybody else who uh, hops in here, listens to us discuss this. It's about 10.52. It's not officially Socks on Tap after dark yet, but we might get there tonight, Johnny. Uh, just happy that the White Sox won a ball game today. I know we've got a ton of other shit to discuss, but uh, I'm looking to have some fun tonight, Johnny. I know we're both uh, cracking them, drinking some beers. I got the classic Budweiser. I think you've got something out of the norm tonight, and I'm I'm very interested to hear what that is. I've got some spotted cow going, Tony, for my victory beers. I was uh, down on some of them during the game as well. Um, sometimes you just have some stuff left over that it might not be irregular, but you got to get to it. And it just felt like it felt right tonight to get into it. So that's why I kind of like when you've got to get like Larry Garcia into the lineup, right? (laughs) Okay. Now we're going off the rails already this early. We're not even, we're not even in after dark hours yet, but uh, we we will get there. We will get there. All right. Yeah. Uh, Housekeeping here. Make sure you subscribe on tap sports Night on YouTube. So you can join conversation. We want to hear your thoughts on trade deadline on this wind and night uh, on the upcoming schedule, all that stuff on tap sports Night on YouTube, subscribe, join the live stream and comment in right here. You can do it via Facebook too, on tap sports net on Facebook as well. So Tony, let's set the stage for tonight, calling it a mixed bag of emotions. I feel like that was an appropriate title for this episode, given the level of inactivity at the trade deadline followed up by a night of solid baseball and some solid things happening around the division uh, in terms of our White Sox here. So that's where I'll kick it off to you. Uh, start with initial thoughts. Hey man, uh, today was a roller coaster for so many different reasons. And, and, you know, you and I love cinematic stuff. We love roller coasters. Well, I hate roller coasters. You're never going to see me on one, but with that said, the we thrill love of it. Yeah. yeah. We love the thrill of it, right? That's why we're doing this. That's why we love baseball. There is so much to dissect from what happened today, not only from, you know, what's going on in this 2022 season, what's going on with the White Sox long term. um, There's just so much there to really think about. This day was a roller coaster for all intents and purposes. I don't think there's a better term to describe it. Today was a roller coaster for the White Sox. You had all the bad, you had all the good, and you had everything in between. Just first reaction to the day as a White Sox fan, I'm just glad I'm going to bed happy, Johnny, because it could have been all bad. Could have been all bad, and it wasn't. And that's where I'm at right now. I'm, 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 I'm feeling okay. I definitely agree heavily with your last sentiment there. And if we had a game like last night, like Sean and I recapped here on Sox on Tap postgame show, uh, that would have been really, really bad. And I think everybody would have been really down in the dumps. And I, you know what? It's understandable, and I get it. If some people still are a bit down in the dumps, when you go and see some major moves go on across the league, and granted, there were a few that it would have been unrealistic targets, i.e. Juan Soto. I'm sorry. The White Sox were never getting him, given their prospect capital that they had to offer. Um and then you, you see some other teams in the division, though, make some moves that, well, maybe the White Sox could have made, right? So I think that's where legitimate frustration comes in. Um, and then going into the game, I'll be honest with you, I was, I was skeptical just because it was Lucas Giolito. He's had some rough goes of it uh, over the last, you know, sort of month plus, really. Uh, and even his last outing, it was shaky from the start. So you, you don't know how 
the tone will be set uh, in that one. But however, the White Sox were able to do that um, early on in the game. So that definitely uh, helped me feel a little bit better and take my mind off of maybe some of just the, like, I think the best word I, before this started, before we got to the mixed bag of emotions after the, um, you know, uh, result of the game, I'd put this titled as stagnating socks, just as a holder title. Um, and that's where I felt, I would say probably from about 4.30 to right up until about first pitch tonight. <laughs> yeah. You know what, Johnny, I'm going to go back to something you said there with, with Lucas Giolito. And if we want to get into this game and just White Sox specific today's baseball game stuff, the, the statement you made about not being confident going into a Lucas Giolito start today is kind of a problem, right? Like it's, it's, it's kind of a problem. I want to go through some of what he did today. I thought his first inning was excellent. You talk about set the tone, thought he did that. There were some defensive miscues behind him. We know, and we've talked about on this show countless times, Lucas Giolito getting in his head, getting frustrated, throwing temper tantrums on the mound, stuff that you don't want to see. This game could have gotten completely off the rails. I mean, you had Matt Foster warming up, I believe, in the third inning of today's ball game, and Lucas Giolito nearing 70 pitches after your offense comes out there and gives you a lead to work with. That's recipe for disaster. We could be sitting here right now talking about how the White Sox blew this game and let it just go completely off the fucking rails and – I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be shocked because we've talked about this before. We've been down that road and that's exactly where it felt this game was headed at one point. And so that confidence that you have in a starting pitcher coming into a baseball game, that's why, because you saw that tonight. And and that's one thing that I want to pick out. And I know this is really early on in the show, Johnny, but a major positive for this ball club today was the fact that they were able to get out of that inning without surrendering the lead because we're big set-the-tone people. But you know me, I think negative energy breeds negative results. If this ball club came out today and had any point in time during this ball game where they didn't have the lead, that place was going to explode. Right. I think that's a good point there. Um, To Lucas Giolito's credit, obviously there was a little bit of a hiccup there um, in in the second inning with, or excuse me, the third inning with the uh, two walks to lead off that frame, a couple of runs eventually coming around to score. However, um, his ability to bounce back from that and right the ship, I know he only went uh, five tonight. Um, However, he got a strikeout total up there. And granted, I know you're facing the Kansas City Royals. Um, There's some good and some bad to pick out from this. Final line, five runs, two, excuse me, Five hits, five innings, uh, two earned runs, three walks, seven strikeouts tonight. So I like seeing the strikeouts up there. But once again, I mentioned the quality of the competition. And then B, um, you saw the the slide. It's kind of like two pitch. It feels like two pitch, Lucas Giolito. I know that's kind of been a, a you know an issue that, that's been fleshed out uh, when it comes to him. However, um, he, you know, you feel like it gets a, a greater offensive team is going to be more of a struggle for him. So wouldn't say I'm all the way back in on Lucas Giolito. However, I was uh, satisfied with his um, ability to at least shake that inning, uh, weather the storm, as we like to say, uh, especially when we're talking four feathers, uh, Blackhawks talk over there in the hockey realm, but uh, he was able to do that in a sense today. And then the, the bats picked him up around that. Obviously they gave him the cushion to start with uh, and then adding on, uh, throughout some of the later innings there, putting up a couple of crooked numbers tonight uh, in the first and sixth innings, respectively, and then adding one more uh, via the long ball in the seventh inning, too. So let's talk offense. I think we talked to Lucas Giolito a bit there. Let's talk offense. Would you like from the bats tonight? Loved what I saw, especially in the first inning. This team was able to manufacture runs and get on the board early. Um, lot to like there. Uh, and then you also have some in uh, the, the later game, uh, some home runs, multiple home run game. Once again, at home from the Chicago White Sox, shit that we're not talking about here enough. And uh, that comes via Jose Abreu, Gavin Sheets. And I'll get into the sheet stuff in, in just a moment here. But I really loved seeing Jose Abreu 
hitting that ball off the foul pole. That was right cool. after Eloy Jimenez basically just missed a grand slam. Like there's so much that you can dissect from that play and that play alone, but Jose Abreu coming up in the next at bat and and hitting a long ball, I thought was pretty fucking cool and tough, Johnny. I thought that that was everything you want from a leader. I agree. And uh, I will say uh, when you're looking at the offense here, I know they did score three early and yes, that is good in terms of the hashtag set the tone. Sometimes you do have to manufacture. However, initially it felt like it was going to be another night of the singles parade, right? Yes. And this is just something, you know, Rick Hahn himself said it uh, when you're talking about some of the issues with this team and it was the power and we want to see that. Well, guess what? Hitting the ball on the ground right back up so the wait. middle for a single is not hitting. You're selling the this short. You're selling I am, it yeah, short. absolutely. Because you're selling it short. Rick Hahn said, "Ball go far." Oh, okay. Go yeah, far. Well, I mean, we could go and do a whole, you know, show just based on Rick Hahn's comments. But I don't think any of us want to melt our brains any further with lawyer speak there. But initially, I thought it was going to be the singles parade, just like we had. You know, they had what ten hits in uh, the series opener there, and not able to manufacture more than one run. Uh, just due to the lack of extra base hits. However, the pickup later in the game, you see Eloy Jimenez sending one down the line for an extra base hit, two bases, you get scored two runs on that play. Uh, and then you also have, uh, like you mentioned, uh, Jose Abreu um, hitting one off the foul pole down the left field line after Eloy Jimenez came close, warning track power-ish uh, for the Grand Slam prior to that. And then Gavin Sheets launching one uh, out there for that last home run. That made me feel better at the end. It's something that we need to see translate. I think we talked about it ad nauseum on Sunday Funday, uh, especially when we are talking about the multiple home runs they hit then, and then your boy again Saturday night there. So that's something I just want to see um, translate over. Uh, into the next games and it can't sure th- there are times where a single will get the job done however it's the ball go far team go far uh mentality is more of what i'm looking for and you heard it, it it'd be, the gm today and we've just been deprived of it so much this year tony because you love fireworks well guess what ranking, ranking 28th in the league in home runs coming into tonight's game isn't giving you as many fireworks as you'd really like so i think you should be on that train as well I am on that train johnny and you know guess what uh there's there's plenty of people to call out here for the lack of fireworks. I know Gavin Cheats promised me some. And, uh, you know, looking at some stuff that Chris Kampka tweeted uh, during today's game, I think Gavin Cheats has lived up to it better than anybody else. Do you think that uh, Gavin Cheats leading the team in home runs, Johnny, at home thus far is because he made a promise to his papa? Yeah, I think so. You have to go and look at that now. And especially, um, you know, that clutch one, man, Saturday night, that really, you know, we're talking about some possible turning points of this thing. Um, that, that could have been one. And you got to give you some credit there, man. We've been working hard in the backyard. Uh, Johnny, I'm getting very close because I see all the Gavin Sheets hate on the timeline. I see all the Gavin Sheets DFA this guy, trade this guy. There's even people internally here at ONTAP Sportsnet that are not big Gavin Sheets people. And uh, I'm, I'm getting fairly close because I've been taking some notes. I don't think we're there yet. But I do know, Johnny, that when I put hard work into stuff, the way that we're out there working every single day, I mean, I had Gavin Sheets running the bases faster than Johan Moncada was able to make it to first base on a, on a routine ground ball when Gavin Sheets popped one out of the park. I think we're getting somewhere. We're getting close to the Gavin Sheets revenge tour of 2022, Johnny. Yeah, I, I hope it's coming, Tony, and I hope uh, he is joined by a bunch of his friends uh, in doing that. And by that, I mean leaving the yard uh, on a consistent basis. The White Sox absolutely need it. And like I said, um, if there's ever time to make up for lost time, it's right now uh, down this home stretch here. So I want to see more home runs, more fireworks going forward. Uh, Tony yes. was not all roses in this game though. However, right. you had mentioned that hustle stuff. Um, okay. We, we got a situation in, it was at the bottom of the third and it was a ground ball shortstop. Uh, looks like the Royals are going to turn a double play, but neither Jose Abreu nor Yohan Mangata are running this thing out fully. And they get an absolute gift because of an awkward flip. Um, that the Royals just botch it and both guys end up being safe there. But you go and look at the replay of that with them lack of hustle there. I understand the training staff may have told some of these guys to like tone it down, but man, if you're just like going to feel like you're giveaway outs like that, uh, it's just a terrible look 
for the energy of the team. Uh, and that, okay, let's go back to another thing Rick Khan said. He's, oh, we want some of that swagger and, you know, the chip on the shoulder kind of stuff. That shows absolutely none of that uh, when you have that kind of effort down the base pass. Worst play of this fucking game today, Johnny, and I think it's an absolute disservice that Ed Farmer and Hawk Harrelson were unable to call this baseball play. Because you would have some epic sound bites if both of those men were able to respectively call this on the radio and your television. I'm big on grinder rules right now. There's a grinder rule for everything. Pretty sure one of them that says, never walk even when you walk. And you've got Jose Abreu and Yohan Moncada basically conceding that you have a guaranteed double play and they both wind up safe. You talk about puck luck in hockey. You talk about the baseball gods being in your favor. You talk about all this shit. These are all the cliches that everybody's going to talk about. And you have two dudes who are very important to the Chicago White Sox franchise right now. One of them's your leader. And the other one is the number one star prospect that you gave up Chris Sale for. And both of them are conceding and yet wind up safe on this play. Unfucking real. Let's step take a step back and just think about this. Unfucking real. Especially when they're doing shit that if you believe in karma is going to come back and bite you in the ass sometime and you're going to know right. exactly why. Yeah, I really, I really like that, and I, I, I don't think you spelled it out there. Uh, if I did, if you did, then I just missed it here, and I'm dozing off. But um, the grinder rule associated with that is never walk, even when you walk, right? Yes, that's yes. yeah. So and you, the, the, you, you've got, I would, I would put into this grinder rule if we can go right, you know, bylaws to the grinder rule. <laughs> the bylaws would say, fucking run out every single ground ball to the shortstop or second baseman, because you never know when somebody's going to bobble right. that shit and, and you can right. uh, reach safely. Uh, talk, uh, like even, all these, all these pundits, man, want to talk about, don't give up outs. Don't bunt. Don't do this yeah. shit. How about run to first base hard? Where did that get lost? Right. And then, and then it's a matter of, you know, like we talk about things being that so White Sox. Well, on the other hand, uh, the Royals made a few errors that looked like very White Sox S from different points in uh, time this season. So wouldn't you want to take advantage of that? Don't we always feel like the other team really makes us pay for it? Never making a mistake like that. Well, it'd be nice Every time. Uh, to be able to, you know, stick it right back at them. So, um, all right, let's go to another just a little critique I have here. And that's Tim Anderson, man. Um, in the field, he also had an egregious base run. Running, uh, error too um, on that uh, almost grand slam by Eloy. So I guess we'd start with that. Um, I don't know why he's trying to tag there. I was so deep that there's no chance for a play at home where the hell else is the ball coming in, but third base there, uh, egregious. And then in, in the field, man, a couple of these, I, I don't understand how it's one thing if you are close there and you almost get it and you lose it on the transfer, whatever. You made your best effort and that happens. And it, I can live with those. Those are physical errors that happen in the game of baseball, but the positioning, the trying to time and then lunge at it. And then you stay, you know, you kind of like stake your glove at it and then it hits off the heel and it goes past you or another one where you're just maybe not positioned as well as you should be against the hitter. Uh, and then it's too far of a run for that one. And then you're trying to make up too much and do the spin and throw all in one motion. Dude, we need to clean this up because guess what? Elite shortstops around the league aren't making bullshit errors. Like Tim Anderson has made far too many times this season. Hey, dude, it's it's not even that. Some of this goes back to how Tim Anderson has been at the plate, and I, I, I sent out a very critical tweet about Tim Anderson's play right now. This is the guy that we've talked about on this show and so many other people have talked about in the national media and the local media. He's the straw that stirs the drink and all this other stuff. If you want a drink that tastes good, it has to be mixed right. And if he's not fucking there to set the tone or mix the drink right, some shit's going to stink. I, I'm really impressed by the fact that the White Sox picked up Tim Anderson's play today because some of those things could have resulted in a very traumatic loss on a day where White Sox fans felt down. And Tim Anderson has been doing this 
for a while now. Since the groin industry, you saw the frustration. He's got a three-game suspension that's pending. I'm sure he's frustrated with where he's at right now. But this is an all this is also a guy that represented your Chicago White Sox as an all-star this year. Maybe unright, maybe unrightfully be, so. He has to I'll be go, better, Johnny. I'll go as far and say that. Maybe has un, to be better. Maybe unrightfully so that he got to go to the all-star game. Tony has to has to be better. Yeah. If, if, if we're going to talk about leaders on this team doing what they need to do, and we're going to talk a little bit about the trade deadline, but I will say this, this team goes the way that Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu go. They are right. your leaders on offense. Both of those guys should also be leaders on defense. Those are the guys that should be setting the tone for this fucking ball club especially when you have Tony La Russa last year saying, I let my leaders set the tone in the clubhouse. I let my leaders yeah. lead. I, I have and been very disappointed in the play of Tim Anderson I, thus far this year. I just want to add that maybe it is a byproduct of the injury issue that he had because he did miss a significant chunk of time with that groin injury. So th that is a fair, you know, possible driver behind. And this I want to go back it and looks look, like, Johnny. I it looks like it looks look like he has. What did they been... do when he was gone? What did they do when he was gone? Because I remember Danny a Mendes very decent. Up. Yeah, I, I people stepped up in Tim Anderson's absence. I don't think that's been talked about a lot this year. AJ Pollock had his best stretch when Tim Anderson was out of this lineup and he was batting leadoff. That's a fucking problem for me. Yeah. And I think it's, then I go back though, uh, beyond just like kind of some of the fundamental things in terms of, especially in the field, because that's very easy to see uh, when it's a ball that should have been a ground out and it ends up being a base hit um, because a, the rulings are really soft nowadays. And then B uh, he just wasn't in the right place or didn't, uh, you know, collect it cleanly um you played with an edge last year that i feel like just isn't there ever since he returned you might have seen spurts of it earlier in the season um however ever ever kind of since that, that kind of comeback i haven't really seen that edge that over the top kind of uh energy uh, that tim anderson brings so honestly i want to see that and i could you know what if he's bringing that on a day in day out basis being the leader in the clubhouse uh, like we know that we need him to be um i could live with some more of the physical errors but when it all kind of combines like that it compounds on top of each other so, so I, I, I was I've, i was dying to ask somebody this question on this show When's the last time you saw Tim Anderson do something cool and tough? And that, like, I know that's our slogan. I know we talk about some of this stuff, but like, when's the last time you saw Tim Anderson do something that warrants, like, that was awesome? About a while. Um, Fill the dreams game is it for me. I'll go out and I'll just spell it out here. That's the last time I saw him do something that was in the face of your opponent. The killer attitude, the leader attitude that we've wanted to see. It's been a while, as you like to say, but no. that's the last thing I can point to. You've got the bat flip game. You've got the the walk off at Field of Dreams. This team has marketed him to be bringing that level of intensity. Change the game. When's the last time you saw it? Because right. I'm saying Field of Dreams. If you've got an, yeah. uh, and, a time and, you know, frame between you, now and no, then I, where he's brought it, let me know. Yeah, uh, honestly, off the top of my head, I'd probably have to go for the last like really outstanding one in there. But, Tony, when you're thinking about some of those, when you're talking about that with him, uh, what's the best time to usually do that? It's usually a big home run, right? Well, his power production is down, right? You think he's only hit one home run, and that was the one at, uh, you know, one at uh, Yankee Stadium Yankee in, in Stadium that doubleheader. Right and then I want to say he had one, a leadoff home run in at Minnesota at some other point. Um, but other than that, in recent memory, it's been a, like, been a while again since Tim Anderson did a home run. So that, that's also an issue, too. And maybe that is a product, too, uh, of the lower body uh, ailing him a little bit. But um, just observations, like I said, didn't, didn't want to have to go. Super, super deep into that, but that is a takeaway, a negative one from tonight. Let's spin away from that and go to positive here because Eloy Jimenez is looking pretty damn good at the plate right now. Takeaways from uh, his stretch here, really, recently. Obviously, a very nice night for him. A bunch of RBIs, a bunch of hits, um, but he's also... It's been a consistent thing for him as of late. 
it has been for Eloy Jimenez. And this is a guy that uh, if you listen to this show, uh, we've been very critical of. Uh, if you tune into our website, ontapsportsnet.com, our guy Steve was writing about him and, and what you can expect out of Eloy Jimenez. The problem with Eloy Jimenez is injuries. I think we all know that. That affects your power numbers. That affects your overall numbers. It affects your mental state. This guy's been banged up for a long time. Anything that you get out of Eloy Jimenez was deemed a plus by members of this show for the remainder of the year. When you've got a guy in the middle of the lineup who is now starting to find that consistency, Johnny, that is a major plus. I know people want to go and, and, and talk about the, the lack of trade deadline activity and, and all that other stuff. And this might come off as a meatball take. It might come off hot. But the fact that we deemed Eloy Jimenez on this show to be just gravy if you can get anything out of him, for him to be in the middle of the order right now doing what he's doing, which is what you expected out of him when you acquired him, but for him to be doing that for a week, two week stretch, we haven't seen that in a while. Right. That and just that's... speaks to how good this team can be. Right. I want it to continue. Do I have faith that it will? Probably not. And that's why we had those conversations a week ago. Yeah. But I can't stress how important that is for somebody to be hitting three to three to five in your order. And swinging the bat like Eloy Jimenez is, right. that could be game-changing. It's, it's the extra base hit production for me, Tony. It's the home run on Sunday afternoon. It's the, uh, you know, the double, the two RBI double tonight. It's the, you know, shit, he, I know he didn't uh, get it out of the ballpark there, but he gave it a, he gave it a nice ride on that sack fly. Ends up bringing a run home because of that. Um, he is one of the only ones elevating the ball right now. I know Jose Bray was able to do that, and your boy Gavin Sheets a couple of times here, but talking about consistently, um, Eloy Jimenez, and he can do it just so effortlessly, dude. That home run on Sunday afternoon against the A's, I just go and look at that, and it's like, that's a flick of the wrist for him, but it goes more. and travels out there to I right center. More. Right, yeah, that's that's just where I'm at. And, hey, all kudos to him tonight, man. He goes uh, three for three with four RBIs and the one other um, plate appearance uh, that does not count as in that bat then uh, was that sacrifice fly. So, Eloy in the three-hole night, nice to see him uh, stepping up there. That's a good positive there. Uh, another positive, Tony. Um, like I said, the White Sox shouldn't be scoreboard watching themselves because they should take care of business in that game on the field. But we can sit here and scoreboard watch. And the scoreboard watching was friendly tonight. Twins, Guardians both lose after they both pulled off walk-off winners last night. So Sox are two back once again here. Yeah, it feels good. It feels good to be two back. And that's fucking terrible to even say at this point because we sh- we shouldn't be here. And we all know it. Anytime you can make up ground, anytime that you can put one in the left-hand column, as our guy Steve likes to say, and the opponents are putting them in the right-hand column, is a good night. This is a good night for White Sox baseball. The trade deadline wasn't today. If we're doing this show a week ago, getting two back, I think we've got a totally different tone. I think we've got a totally different like interpretation of what's going on. I want to ride into this while I say this as if the trade deadline didn't happen today, Johnny. This was a great night for White Sox baseball because you got the win. You did what you needed to do. You had a team that had mistakes during the ball game, and one facet of your game was able to carry you. Guys picked each other up. They got the job done. And I think that's a very positive step forward. We'll talk about the other stuff later, but that's how I I feel. Yeah, and I would just go from there. I mean, obviously, you'd like to see him play clean, crisp baseball, all facets of the game. But, however, like you said, um, it's one thing that they were able to do last year. Oh, pitching lag. Well, guess what? We scored like 12 runs, so that you know helped them out. Or last year, you know, offense might have lagged. But pitching was, you know, outstanding. And Lance Lynn was throwing like a Cy Young candidate, the finalist, like he was uh, last year. And that, you know, I know we've gotten that at times from Dylan Cease here, but uh, he's also gotten screwed on some where he hasn't been picked up. So uh, they are going to need all phases to click, however, against the 
lesser you know teams on the schedule uh, in terms of record right now, uh, which they're right in the midst of the stretch. Please keep hammering those runs home, uh, and I think they'll be in a good position to gain some ground here and continue and really start a winning streak. That's really what I want to see. I'm tired of the one step forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back, one forward, two back. We've seen it all this year. Let's go. Let's start start the actual winning streak going to Texas after this. Uh, we'll get to that preview in a little bit. Something else you mentioned there. It was a trade deadline today, so we do need to talk about it here. And um, we did, tying this into the game, we saw the lone trade deadline acquisition in action in black and white for the first time tonight. Um, Jake Diekman, um, I liked what I saw. Two strikeouts, induced a ground out, clean one, two, three inning. Stuff looked pretty damn nasty, sweeping across the plate. Uh, first thoughts on Diekman here, and then we can go into the kind of greater scheme of the rest of the trade deadline. Yeah, first thoughts on Diekman, man. Like, I just – I love what I saw. And, again, this is recency bias. If he went out there and walked a couple guys and had some control issues yeah. that uh, everybody talked about, we'd probably be having a completely different discussion. Once again, I've got to bring up one of my favorite lines lately. You're only as good as your last envelope. The envelope that Jake Diekman returned today put him in the Fear of the Beard Club. And the broadcast helped that out. They were showing beards all over the place. Yeah. Lance Lynn made an appearance on TV there. Jake Diekman is now a ZZ top guy in my yeah. in my opinion, Johnny. But, uh, I think he should he should definitely walk out to yeah. some ZZ top. That I probably won't get that wish. But overall, he definitely did something that was to me as a Sox fan, unbelievable. Showed up today said that he wants to just go out there every single time Tony La Russa calls him out there. He'll pitch 70 games over the last stretch yeah. if they want. <laughs> I said this the other day. The White Sox need a Jimmy Cordero. They need somebody who's just going to carry that workload. If Jake Diekman goes out there and gives me half of what he did today over down the stretch in this bullpen – I think that's a major acquisition to this team. I really do. Again, recency bias. Yeah. It, it is what it is. But they needed a Jimmy Cordero. That slider looks fucking nasty. He's got the beard. He wants to be in, in, in every single game. I think that's a different attitude than a lot of the other guys on this White Sox club bring right. to the table. I'm happy. Yeah. I'm very happy. I, I love the Fear of the Beard Club. You know, I'm a big fan. Uh, still support my boy Lance. Um, so, you know, I, I like having another member in there too, especially out of the pen there. Diekman probably getting more than just every fifth day, uh, you'd hope, uh, in terms of usage down here. But uh, in terms of his, you know, a great first impression, right? If you're going to you know, introduce yourself to the South Side, did it pretty damn well. Uh, said, hey, here I am. And, uh, you know, I, I think everybody gave him a nice round of applause uh, after he came out of that game. But uh, in terms of the technicality of it, he, corrected some of the issues that plagued him all throughout July. And that was command, command, command. That's where his big issue was walking guys, missing with that slider, sweeping it too far outside while well, he was able to control that and pick some corners tonight. Uh, he, you know, he reminds me of Aaron bummer in terms of the release kind of Chris sale as well, in terms of the getting out there, you know, three quarters here and sweeping the slider through. He doesn't throw as hard as Aaron bummer or Chris sale do. Um, however, I get some of those vibes. So that also leaves me a little bit open-ended in this. I want to see that consistent command show up with Jake Diekman because I feel like when he gets off, he could have the same issues. IE Aaron bummer does when he gets off with his command. So we something to watch, but once again, good first envelope from him. Good first impression. I like what I saw. That was a lone move, Tony. Nothing else. Quite literally nothing else. One and done for the white Sox at the trade deadline. How does it make you feel? Not good, dude. I mean, this is it's hard to talk about as a White Sox fan. It's 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 really hard to talk about. You and I did a show on Shy Sox Weekly a couple of years ago, Johnny, about Manny Machado not being a Chicago White Sox. And that might have been probably the most listened to show that you and I have ever done together. We were angry. We were upset. And thinking about this a lot today. Kind of had the same feeling 
around five o'clock that I did when we were gearing up to do that show. I, I, I just, there's so much left to be desired as a White Sox fan. And excuse me if I, if I get into baseball romanticism during what I'm about to say, but you know, I've tried hard as a person, as a White Sox fan, as a baseball fan to, you know, buy into what the White Sox have tried to do over the course of this. And I understand just in business and, and doing everything that I've done in my personal life and, and all of that continued that like, sometimes things don't work out the way that you want them to. And then you get Rick Hahn out there today in the dugout talking about like, I'm just as frustrated as you. Yeah, I'm sure he's frustrated, but no one's going to sympathize with, Recon for not getting the job done. I'm, I'm I'm sure he's mad, but that doesn't excuse it. We were mad when it when it didn't get done with Manny Machado. We were mad when we saw as White Sox fans, you know, Bryce Harper's name rotating around the United Center. The biggest news that came out of this trade deadline was the White Sox tried to land Shohei Otani. Sitting in a Twitter spaces that White Sox Dave hosted earlier, and somebody asked, like, why did they even try for Otani? Like, what would he bring to this club? And I'm, I'm, dude, I'm literally sitting there as a White Sox fan going, like, yeah, Otani would be great. The only reason that the, the people are writing about this is because they have to. I I just I don't understand how we haven't realized as White Sox fans yet when you've got this great Bill Vec quote that our guy Besnick tweets all the time that being a White Sox fan relieves you from any penance that you have like that you have to go through as a human. We're already here. Steve, to- Steve Stone told you to enjoy the ride because he knows it ain't going to be fucking easy. And we know that because everything that, that, that's going to happen with this ball club is going to be a roller coaster. Nothing comes easy. One team wins the World Series every single year. One team. And there's always a storyline behind it. There's no guarantees in this. The White Sox sold you that they were going to do this multiple times the same way that you watched the Chicago Blackhawks rattle off three cups in six years. That might not be reality, but there's a lot of people and rightfully so that feel that this should have been a given because you've seen the Cubs rebuild and go do this. You saw the Houston Astros rebuild and go do this. Fuck, you've seen Boston do it. But then you go look at teams like the Angels, who were maybe or maybe not shopping Shohei Otani to the Chicago White Sox, and then we sit there and we get frustrated about it. Seat at the table nonsense. Yeah, we can be mad. You give this team your money, but at the end of the day, Johnny, I sat there and I said to myself, am I going to be the type of person that is going to tune this team out not go to ball games anymore because I'm mad about the trade deadline? No, I'm not. I want to go to Lot B. I want to drink beers with you. I want to go into the ball game. And if they lose, I'm happy that I got to experience baseball with my friends. So sometimes I just want to enjoy the ride. Other times I'm going to be fucking hashtag mad online about the shit that they do. But goddamn, man, it's a roller coaster, and sometimes you just got to ride it. it. Interesting take there. I mean, there's some points that I could agree with, but if I get down more to brass tacks, um, you've seen the lack of output in the power department from this team. So 
Um, our guy Buzz suggested it, and I don't know if this would have been the perfect fit. However, would Joey Gallo been an option? I don't know. Um, would there have been another arm that you would have supplemented with if you're going to have these injuries to Raylos on the IL right I now? I can give you Kelly my Kelly and Graveman and uh, um, can can't throw back to back to back. Um, you know, you've got there were some legitimate areas of need shit could have tried to upper at second base who knows um you know a corner a corner outfield man that's like you know where i'm going with this in terms of areas of need there and you did hit the left-handed pitcher i will say that's okay check check that one off i I can i can agree with that okay got deekman obviously we saw really good first returns tonight um however you go and see the multiple layers of it added to a division rival like the Minnesota Twins, who are still, granted it's slim, still in the driver's seat. You want to put yourself in the best competitive situation there. Um, and this team, Tony, you and I have talked about it in past years. They had it last year. We were looking for it in the Minnesota series right before the All-Star break. Might have been the only flash of it extended this season. Um I know Rick Hahn kind of lamented uh, the uh, sort of um, notion of doing something just to change it up. Well, I don't think it would have been just to change it up in terms of making a change just for change's sake. Uh, You could have given yourself a chance um, to have those upgrades last year. Go and take last year's deadline, for example. Sure, they didn't work out. And who knows? Maybe this is a factor like you've mentioned on here uh, possibly multiple times um, with Rickon maybe having a little shell shock, right, uh, from those moves not panning out. Okay, either way, you gave yourself a chance with two options on the market that represented upgrades at your given position. Um, That's where I just want to leave it there. I think there were... You're talking second base, corner outfield, possibly another bullpen arm that could have been addressed. So that left me my ass a little chap today. Here's the one that chapped my ass, Johnny. And I, I haven't seen this anywhere else, but I'll say it. How does Whit Merrifield leave Chicago when he's in the lineup for the Chicago White Sox and wind up on the Toronto Blue Jays? Oh, he's on the White Sox for a little bit there? No. On, on, on the Kansas City Royals. He was in the lineup for the Kansas City Royals. Yeah. Ah, there you, you go. You can yeah, fuck I got with it. me. <laughs> you can fuck with me. That's fine. Second base, outfielder, multidimensional player. I yeah, know he hasn't he... had the greatest play. He hasn't had the greatest play this year. Understand that. How were you not mentioned in the Whit Merrifield discussion yeah. especially when because he's not vaccinated he would, and then he's he going would've... to canada where he has to <laughs> right this was obvious like go get with merrifield he's in chicago he could have been in the lineup tonight starting at second base there wasn't There's an, an absorbent there, yeah. cost yeah. veteran guy that wants to go chase something. How is Whit Merrifield not on the Chicago White Sox roster right now? Yeah, right. And like you said, the the play is, you know, not not his best in terms of when you go and like compare seasons for him. But, but that that could have been that could have been your acquisition. Right. Like all it, of a sudden he's not starting for the Royals. He's starting for the Sox tonight. Trade jerseys. Go do something fucking cool and tough. Whit Merrifield literally fit the description of the guy that you need to go in there and and the like the I know this no Larry Garcia slander on this show. Stop it right here. Whit Merrifield would have been the savior to all of that because he could slot into the lineup in the outfield. He could play second base. You could still give Josh Harrison time. He would have fit this club perfectly. And if you get half of what Whit Merrifield is capable of doing down the stretch. I think he's a better acquisition than Cesar Hernandez was last year. How did that not fall into the Sox lap? Yeah. See, these are that kind of one quite... bothered me a yeah. lot today. And you could insert player XYZ in there, Tony, and you're talking about maybe a fit that went to, you know, whatever given team. And when you're looking at the return, it wasn't too, too hefty, and the White Sox could have gotten this done with, you know, uh, without completely draining the already limited prospect pool. Um that's what where the frustration comes in. Um, Is anybody we, in the Sox farm system going to chap your ass within five years on the Kansas City Royals? Yeah. That's where I'm at with this. How did that not get done? 
sorry, meatball take of the night. That's it right there because he yeah. would have solved the problem. All right, we're we're getting close to the end here, Tony. I do. Let's just talk the Rickon kind of reaction. I don't like to numb my mind with the wire speak. We've heard it all enough. We know you and me and Steve discussed this ad nauseum, and it does make me sick. Um, but I could not think of anything else except for the always sunny. Can I offer you a nice egg in these trying times meme uh, when he made his first comments there about if you're feeling the frustration, I am too. That's exactly where my mind went as soon as I heard that. I mean, I'm still going back to the quote where he said, I'm sleep deprived and I'm a little crabby. And that's how I feel every time that you and I get on this show and we talk about a White Sox loss and I have to get up in the morning and deal with anybody. So you want to prevent being sleep deprived and crabby? Put a fucking winning ball club on the field every single day and maybe you're not going to be sleep deprived and crabby anymore. Sounds simple. I know it's not that simple, but yes. You're right. The fact that he reached out to everybody and said, I'm frustrated too, felt lame and weak to me. Felt like yeah. that. Especially the way he prefaced it. And just yeah. Just the, rub, rubs, rubs all of us wrong. We've heard it too much already, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially for somebody who said that uh, uh, earlier this year, that if they're not going to go and try and improve the ball club to put themselves in the best position to win multiple championships, I mean – it's hard to say this, but like solid F yeah, on the trade deadline here because yeah. we've been told the money was going to be spent. We've been told all this stuff. You can, I, I can rationalize it. I can rationalize it for you right now. Why nothing happened. But at the same time, like you have to go get shit done. It's, it, it's empty words. Johnny yeah. is what I feel like. It's empty words. You're frustrated going to sleep and you're sleep deprived. Well, I mean, yeah, you could have worked as hard as anybody else, but the the, the efforts amounted to nothing. Right. And I, I, I said this with Sean last night, so I do want to reiterate, and I understand he's working from a thin prospect pool already. So just quantity-wise, you don't have as much to offer as some of the other clubs. However, just go and look at some returns that went for certain pieces that moved to some contenders against us, some contenders out in the national league, whatever it may be. And there were moves that could have been made. And I feel like it might've been a little trigger shy. And that goes back to, I'll say it again, what you've said about possibly, uh, you know, and I think we Rick can sit back and realize that, okay, last year I did give him a chance there, but it's okay. If they backfire here, then what did we waste on this round of it? Hey, I will um, say this. We sat here this time a year ago and said that Rick Hahn put this ball club in the position and he to did. go he win. Did. And he did. He and it backfired did. in his ass because of the play of other guys. We can also sit here. I know we weren't doing this show at this time, but when you went and you traded for James Shields, you put yourself in a position to win ball games. And sometimes with humans, Johnny, when you get burned multiple times, you say, I ain't going to fucking do that again. Yeah. Risk management. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's conditioning. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. So um, all, all interesting things to consider, but uh, that'll wrap it up uh, for trade deadline. White Sox stand pat on deadline day. Obviously, the day prior uh, had acquired um, Jake Diekman, who we got our first taste of tonight. White Sox win it 9-2, to two, wrapping up the rest of the show here. Tony, um, we've got series finale coming up Wednesday afternoon. Matinee matchup, it'll be Lance Lynn uh, going up against Brady Singer of the Royals here. Predictions, what do you think is going down in this series finale? Sox are starting a winning streak because you know if this is going to be cinematic, Johnny, the Sox are going to go rattle off somewhere near five in a row. After the trade deadline, the Twins are going to fall and the Sox are going to take first place. You just know that this is going to happen and then there's going to be some drama. Right. I, I, I literally think that that's what's going to happen here. So I think Lance Lynn goes out and gives his best start of the season tomorrow against the Kansas City Royals. I, I, I firmly believe that. Because I said that, 
he's going to give up five runs in the first inning. So fuck me. But that doesn't matter right now. Lance Lynn's going out there. He's shoving. The Sox are going to win this ball game. You're going to see Eloy Jimenez. And I'm going to give my early pick to click. Eloy Jimenez is going to leave the yard tomorrow. You know he wants it. Bright day at the plate today. He's going to carry the offense. Sox are going to take this series. Because right when you think they're out, they pull you right back in. Ooh, Godfather reference. I love it. I love it. Um, okay, yeah, I'm going to go with the White Sox winner, too. A little bit more of a grind, though. I do think they will have to use some of that manufacturing uh, that they did show early in the ballgame tonight. Uh, Brady Singer is a, uh, you know, decent a decent arm that uh, they have out there in Kansas City, a 3-5-1 uh, on the season. White Sox uh, across the board haven't hit him too, too well. There are a couple guys uh, that do stand out, i.e. Tim Anderson, uh, Eloy Jimenez, your uh, early pick to click there. But I think it'll be a little bit of a grind back and forth. Lance is going to have to work through some traffic on the bases uh, just because he's not fully all the way there yet. And uh, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow's a breakthrough day, but I, I don't fully see it i feel like ball jump a little bit uh during the day down at 35th and shield so um, i'll go with about a white Sox four to three winner uh be close ball game but uh get that winning streak going heading down to texas and we got a luis robert return tomorrow i'm not going to go ahead and distill my pick to click upon him um but uh, i will go with mr aj pollock who is uh hitting 333 against mr singer so that's what I think is going on tomorrow. Hey, that's fantastic. I just want to add one thing. As soon as Jake Diekman came in and joined the Fear the Beard Club, Lance Lynn's beard, as the leader of Fear the Beard Club, grew at least two inches. It's going to be rough for Royals hitters tomorrow. Yeah. I think our boy Lance is going to shove. He's got some extra allies there now, so you yes. you like you like to see that. So yeah, I mean, after Dallas Keuchel just shit the bed. Right. I mean, I I feel like Dallas Keuchel should have to shave his beard, Johnny. Yeah, because of how lame and weak he was with the Chicago White Sox and the Arizona Diamondbacks, doesn't deserve to have the beard that he does anymore. Uh, but Jake Diekman. Came in there tonight. Give a guy a pat on the back. He's inspired by Lance Lynn's pedigree on this White Sox staff. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Good theory to close close down the show with there. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate everybody dropping your comments in here. Make sure you join them. Go to ONTAP Sportsnet on YouTube. Uh, Subscribe or like the Facebook page, ONTAP Sportsnet. Jump in the comment section here, and we can feature them as we do this show live on the air. Um, make sure you go and visit ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs, as our boy Buzz would say. And follow us on socials at SoxOnTap, at ontapsportsnet. All right, Tony, until next time, let's go win a series. White Sox forever. White Sox forever. <laughs>